0: This is an interview you are not going to want to miss. Welcome to the Get Your Life Back podcast. If you or anyone you know has ever struggled with bipolar disorder, you know how debilitating it can be on your health, your relationships, and even your finances. You don't know what to do, and the option from your doctors is to go down the list of medications and hope for the best. If you resonate with any of this, then this is the episode for you. We're going to sit down with Jared, a bipolar warrior. Diagnosed with bipolar disorder type 1, rapid cycling, Jared was hospitalized over 30 times in 12 years and is one of the most inspirational warriors that I know of when it comes to this topic. Jared started down an integrative path for healing himself six years ago, and on that journey, he has identified strategies to stop and prevent manic episodes from occurring, pursue activities that give meaning, and he's now studying to be a cognitive behavioral healer himself. How did he do it? That's what we're going to talk about today. How to identify patterns and mood changes, create your force field strategies, going beyond your diagnosis, beyond your label, and everything in between. This is going to be a life-changing interview, so let's get started. Hi, this is Dr. Nicole, and I'm with Jared, and we are excited to have a conversation with you, and we decided to record it to share with you guys Jared's story, his story of hope, and to give you a little bit of an inside scoop on uh, just one warrior's journey. And so, Jared, I want to tell you how grateful I am that you're here. Thank you for sharing, and I'm excited to jump in with you.
1: Oh, thank you, Dr. Kane. It's it's an honor. You honor me. So I, I thank you for that. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without you. So yeah. it's exciting. It's been a journey. We've been at it almost six, over six years now. Can you believe how long it's been? I, I did some research.
0: To, I love reflecting on how I met people and how long I've known people. And so I think back to the world that was pre-Jared and Dr. Nicole six years ago, and how far we've come in all of this time. It's amazing.
1: It, it really is. It's it's astounding, exciting, and I'm grateful for the journey we've had. I look forward to the journey. We're lifers. You're stuck with me for life. <laughs>
0: That's, I was going to say the same about you. You're stuck with me too. I'm not going anywhere.
1: <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah. So so we're both trained in opera, you know, so
0: (laughs) that's true. That's a fun fact. And so a lot of you guys don't know, I was a trained, I was trained to be an opera performer in college and Jared, I think that's one of the first things that you and I connected on originally is both of us. Yeah.
1: Because opera backgrounds, I was trained for four years. Um, as a vocal performance and opera major by one of the most prestigious men I've ever met in my life. He was at the Metropolitan Opera, but, you know, we could go on and on about that kind of stuff, but, you know, <laughs> that's, so that's what we mean when we say love it in yeah. the comments.
0: It's oh. our fun fact, so you can add yeah. the voice to that. Read it. Read it in your mind with the falsetto, the, <laughs> the vibrato, and all of the magic.
1: <laughs> exactly. 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 I live for it.
0: <laughs> I was hoping that today... What my goal in our time together is to share a story of hope. My mission is to help people to understand, realize, and start taking the steps towards writing their next act. I think about how we've been carrying all of our lives this saga that's been basically directed by the culture, our traumas, our biological interactions with the environment, and So many people, they find me and they feel like they're just so weighed down by this heavy saga and they feel like they're put into a corner and they have no answers besides a pill for an ill. And while I think that pharmaceuticals can be life saving and they're amazing, that we can put a comma at the end of the sentence and that there are things that we can do in addition to that and that there is hope. And you're a story of hope. And I was hoping. That you would be open to sharing a little bit about your story.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I pride myself on being an authentic, genuine human being. For uh, for most of what we see from society nowadays, everybody's very fake and vain and vague, and you know they don't want to commit and this and that and the other. So I have no problem sharing my story at all. Um, where should we begin? <laughs> is the question.
0: <laughs> I would love to learn. What your experience was when you didn't feel like you had empowerment over your story, and then we could kind of talk about the steps that you took to turn the page, the steps that you took to get your life back, the steps that you took to help with the sticky factor, so that you're not just put into a corner with this label slapped on you and this right,
1: right, right, you know,
0: this terrible tragedy playing out. I, I would love to hear kind of the juxtaposition if we start. Uh, what it was like in the beginning.
1: Sure. Sure. So um, I am 30 years old. I will be 31 this August, um, just to give you a time frame of when this all decided to conspire, not conspire, transpire, forgive me. Um, so 30 years old, at 18 years old, I had gotten into a little bit of trouble. I ran away from home. Um, and in running away from home, I decided to pursue a lifestyle of just hard fast uh you know drinking drugs cigarettes uh smoking um weed like there was just there was no limit to things i wanted to try because i felt so traumatized in my life by what i thought was um kind of like a noose coming around my neck i thought my parents were trying to control me when they weren't and so i said well i'm gonna go live my life and Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I want you know and what I want is not necessarily what the best is for me and so in discovering what I want at 18 years old because everybody's you know mature at 18 years old everybody knows exactly what they want at 18 years old uh, Mm -hmm. not (laughs) (laughs) and so I decided to to do all of those things you know kind of test the waters have kind of a, um, a rum springer you know if you if you follow uh, those teachings you know whatever I, I was gonna just go sow my oats and I came in from that um, completely psychotic um, there was no there was no fixing what I had going on um, I was I was out of my mind I was strung out on God knows what um, I was at somebody's house. I somehow got in touch with my father on a cell phone um, that I that I swiped and and just called him, and he picked me up in Hammond, Louisiana. Um, I'm from New Orleans, by the way, <laughs> a little disclaimer. Um, and so Hammond, Louisiana is about a 45 minute drive from where I lived in New Orleans with my parents um, when they when they when I moved back in with them after I went through all of this. And the first thing they did was they put me into a mental hospital because I was just Psychotic. I was far gone, um, and psychosis for me shows up as a very hyper spiritual, very uh, wasn't violent at first, but over the years violence became a thing. Um, so I, I I got diagnosed in this mental hospital. It was it was very traumatic for me. They didn't give the best care. Um, it's almost like people were there to just collect a paycheck. They weren't there to really help anybody. They didn't have a passion for this. They just, for whatever reason, got stuck doing it, I guess, you know, and that to me, just, I, I still, as we're talking about this, I'm flashing back to the memories of the very first hospital stay that I had. And it was very traumatic, um, in a negative sense. And so that's when I began to hold on to these things. And I didn't know who I was. I, I didn't know who I should be. I didn't know what to do. Um, all I know is that I, I somehow got a hold of something that made me go crazy you know? Um, actually the the thing that, that kind of sparked this was DXM. I don't know if you remember that dextromethane. Mm -hmm. Um, we've had conversations about that and, uh, basically cough syrup or cough pills, you get high off of those, you know, and you, you start seeing things that definitely aren't there and hearing things that definitely are not there. And that was the cause of this first psychotic episode. And over the last 12 years, I have been hospitalized over thirty times. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let that sink in, because that's a lot. That is a lot of trauma to go through. Because each stay at a hospital, as I've, as I've grown in years, and as I've you know grown with this diagnosis of being diagnosed bipolar disorder type one rapid cycling, the the I will say the care has gotten better over the years. But each hospital stay, I can remember vividly, some more than others, and they come to me and these these thoughts, you know, sticky thoughts, like you like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, it's it's been it's been a journey through the last twelve years of trying to find who I am, and it hasn't been until this year, twenty twenty, as I al- and I always said, twenty nineteen. I'm like twenty twenty is going to be my year. It's going to be my year. I'm going to do well. I'm going to. I started my own company. Uh, I was flourishing. I was, I was growing the company. And then all of a sudden, for six weeks in a row, I went to four different hospitals. I totaled my car. I lost everything. And I am now at a position where, it, I mean, you can see my apartment behind me. I, I have made a living for myself up until this point. But right now, as Dr. King can attest, I have no job. I am on disability. I am, you know, no, no car, Um, and I I have nothing to my name. You know, I, I, I have been stripped of everything. This, this disorder has for the first time, finally stripped everything that I've ever had and built myself up to away from me. And if I didn't have my faith, I think I probably would have just, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I think it's safe to say that. Um, and I don't mean to trigger anybody if that's what you struggle with, but I think, suicide and and mental illness need to be talked about because it's a very serious conversation that people need to have with themselves and to know that you are not your disorder, you are not your illness, you are not a diagnosis, you are a person who has a purpose in life and you were created for so much more than this, so much more than hearing voices in your head, so much more than having your hands tremble because you have anxiety through the roof, so much more than going up and down in manic and depressive episodes because you're bipolar disorder you know, if I could get one thing across to somebody today, it's that you are not your illness and there is hope. So I I kind of went all over there and gave you the, you know, the big scoop of everything, but that's, that's a,
0: that's a really important message. And I'm really grateful that you're expressing the equal bounds of hopelessness and despair But then the honesty, I think it's much more honest to acknowledge the darkness, like you were saying, as well as the other end of the spectrum of light. And so there is always hope. There's always change that can happen, but it's a matter of finding the right resources. It's a matter of finding what's going to help you in the midst of finding those resources. You talked about your faith. I think spirituality is vitally important for people and so I appreciate that you're talking about that and I was wondering as you're going through these moments you know I like the metaphor of the wave You and I've talked a lot about that and it's like we have these waves that come in and they can overcome us and it's so encompassing and so painful and so scary and then those waves do roll out and then there's periods where it's a little bit lighter, it's a little bit better, and the waves come and go. And I was curious if you could talk about how you are able to be in that wave where it doesn't overtake you. And because you're here today, you're resilient, you're strong, you have a message of hope. Tell me about how you've been able to be in those waves and hold on to that.
1: Yeah, that's that's excellent illustration. It's one of my favorites that you and I talk about. But Um, I'll be honest with you and your viewers. I have not always had hope. I have been in some very dark places. Um, Some of you may be in those places now. Some of you may be on your way to those places. Some of you may be coming out of those places. The message of hope has always been knitted in me because I'm an optimist. Um, I, I, I see the glass half full all the time. I'm not a pessimist. And I just don't understand people who are pessimists, you know, because it's like, how do you live without hope? Like there's always hope, you know, and it sounds so childlike, but it's not. And it, it, the way that I have survived these waves that come in, because as we, as we talked about, it's waves, everything comes in waves, you know, and as you discussed so beautifully on the live that you did today, if you didn't see this live, go look it up today is uh, May 20th and she did a live and we talked about this at length where you're in the middle of a storm and you're on a buoy and you you then fall into the water and use it as a way of not being scared but as a way of as of on to hope you you focus that on now you no longer hear the turmoil that's going up above your head and you can focus on you being you and you're in that you're in your zone and you're in this place there you're safe the water is enveloping you very warm it's this beautiful illustration so go check that out but the way I, the reason i'm bringing that up is because It it helps in us talking about this waves module, this waves um, analogy. The way I see it now, which I've been enlightened to by experience, is you ride with the wave. You don't fight the wave. You don't let the wave overtake you, but you ride with it. And in riding with the wave, it'll take you on a journey that you may it could, be, it could be a self-discovery journey. It could be a journey of discovering who God is or who whatever, your higher power, your universe, whatever that is for you. Um, it could be just a self-introspection, an introspective way of looking at yourself when you're riding this wave. Because the reason that we talk about the wave analogy is because my diagnosis is bipolar disorder type 1 rapid cycling, which means I cycle very rapidly. I'm up, down, up, down. Some days I'm woohoo. Some days I'm, oh, I'm depressed, I'm in bed you know, thankfully I'm more manic than, than depressed because I don't think I could do depression very well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Dr. Kane knows we've been through some series of depressive episodes in my life where it was, it seemed like I had no hope. And honestly, I'll speak on that because I think that's going to really hit a point with some of you guys. I am not a depressed person. As you can see, I'm, I'm, you know, not depressed at all. Um, so for me to struggle with depression, maybe you can't see that on me, but I can tell you, it's happened. And Dr. Kane can attest to that because I went down into a depressive hole for about four to six months. If you remember back in 2017, uh, 17, you remember that when I, I, I was after an eight month hospital stay, it was eight months of consecutive hospital stays. Each one was a week to 10 days, seven to 10 days. So this is very extensive and very traumatic and very, uh, difficult for someone to experience and go through and and come out feeling sane and feeling like you aren't a mistake. You know, I believed a lie. I was a mistake. Nothing's ever going to help me. I got into this mental headspace where I just then drilled down into a hole, into a spiral of depression. And it wasn't until November. So that was March of March of excuse me, March 13th, 2017. I even remember the date because it's etched in my brain. And from March 13th, 2017 until that November. So the third month to the 11th month, that's eight months of a depressive cycle that nothing, not even the best remedy on the world could help. But what it was, was it was deep down in my soul in, in conjunction with remedies and medication. So, I'm, you know, there is places for both of those, but it felt like nothing could help me. You know, the remedies weren't ever going to help. Nothing. That's the lies that I was hearing in my head. The remedies aren't going to help you. Medication's not going to help you. You're going to be stuck like this for the rest of your life. You're never going to get out of it. And guess what happened? Something in me held on to hope And hope was a silver lining. If you've ever seen the movie Silver Lining Playbook with Bradley Cooper, and this is not a sponsor for that movie. We are not affiliated with them. But it brings to light the difficulty of dealing with someone who is struggling with the effects of bipolar disorder. And it's like that silver lining. So somewhere etched inside of my being was the silver lining playbook of hope. And I started to see the light of day come around November, which was right around Thanksgiving. I've had a lot of grief in my life and a lot of loss in my life. And I think that's part of why I struggled with that depressive episode because I hadn't ever dealt with grief in a proper way. I was afraid to feel because feeling and feeling emotions and getting emotional, I identified with mania. Mm -hmm. So in that depressive state, I didn't ever, I was feeling those emotions, but it was not manic. It was depressive. So, I wasn't able to cope properly because my coping mechanisms were smoking cigarettes, doing drugs, having rampant sex, whatever, you know, all the, all the classic things that they tell you you need to avoid alcohol, you know, just all this stuff. All of my coping mechanisms were so negative for so long. So, that, that deep depressive episode, I had to hold on to hope. And it finally turned around and we finally came out of it. And I've never had one that bad since. I have struggled with depression because sometimes the medication that I'm on does bring me down a little bit, but that's for the remedies help and we come back up into a balance and a state of homeostasis. So I hope that answered your question.
0: It does. And so we're to to kind of circle back, we're talking about when those moments are really difficult, when that swell overtakes you. And I was asking you about how do you how do you just hold on? How do you get through those moments? And you're talking about hope. You just have to hold on to hope. And the other thing I want to emphasize that you said that I think is really important is that you're you're emphasizing to not resist it, to just let it happen, let it flow over you. And there's a quote that I, I like to tell people. It's like, what we resist will persist. Yes. And if we just allow the feeling to come, allow ourselves to experience that feeling and Think about it as data. I think that's quite a lot more empowering as opposed to feeling like we have to we have to force it to go away or force it to stop. And so, when you're having a a really intense emotion and you're observing it coming in, and you're you're not forcing it to go one direction or the other, you're just noticing it. How do you do that? What are what advice would you give to someone who's like, what the heck? That's a foreign term to me. As you're experiencing these big swells of emotion and your wisdom is that we can't force it to stop, that we can't or shouldn't try to change it, but rather your advice, and I think this is really wise, is to just let the emotion happen and notice it and acknowledge it as data. Data and the example that you gave is that you hadn't gotten to feel for a really long time and now you're having these extreme feelings. So how did you do that? So if, I, if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, Jared and Dr. Kane are telling me to just sit in this emotion and somebody may be listening who's incredibly anxious and freaking out. And
1: have you and seen my out. hands? I'm with them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so intense anxiety or intense despair. And so how do you, how do you do that? What advice would you give to someone who's like, okay, I'm going to just try to sit in it.
1: So, okay, I'm with you now, and I I hear what you're saying. So I (laughs) – it's not easy, y'all. And that's my southern accent coming out, y'all. It's not easy by any means. I have learned this. It's taken me 12 years to get where I am today. And in those 12 years, I've learned much. So when I say you need to take this emotion and ride with it, you ride that wave think of it like a surfer. Okay, Picture in your head a big wave coming up, and it's a surfer's dream to catch this big wave. And this surfer paddles to it and paddles up with it and then stands up on the board and rides the wave back to shore. If he fights against it, he falls. If he suppresses it, you can't suppress a wave. I mean, you you can't. What happens when you try to suppress a wave? You get a feeling in your throat, a lump in your throat, you get a lump in the pit of your stomach. What is that? That's crying. That's tears that just need to come out. That's, that's your emotions needing to be felt. And I know I sound emotional when I'm saying this because it's been such a foreign concept to me to feel emotions and to understand, Jared, it's okay to feel those emotions. And I talk to myself, I will, in my head, I will talk mm-hmm. to myself and say, it's okay to feel those emotions. This is what you do you hold on to it you hold this is my water bottle you hold on to it and you can either suppress it or you can acknowledge it you look at it you feel it you acknowledge it and then you put it away mm-hmm. and it's as easy as that it's a three step process you look at it acknowledge it feel it and then put it away mm-hmm. And if that is the that is the most simple illustration, but it has gotten me through so much. I'll give you a, for instance, today I went to go run an air and my mother let me borrow her car because she was working from home and I needed to go run to Walgreens. I needed to pick up some toner and some ink and God knows what else I got. I don't remember. Um, that's not important. The point of the matter is, is I was listening to this soundtrack by one of my favorite Broadway shows that I've never seen, but I know the soundtrack. Mm-hmm called if i'll share it it's dear evan hansen um it's a a story about a boy who struggles severely with anxiety and he talks so fast and he doesn't know how to do anything he can't shut up because and so i was listening to this soundtrack today and i felt this emotion come up and my tears started welling up whereas normally i would squelch the emotion not let tears come up i'm driving in the car with my sunglasses on belting out this song that i don't even know all the words to and I'm just like, you know, da, da 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 da, and then all of a sudden I'm like, do, 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 do. but it was okay because I felt the emotion and then I let it go. And I took a breath in through the nose, out through the mouth, and I let it go. And Dr. Kane's got a method on this very helpful. If you close the right nostril and breathe in through the left and then out through the mouth or out through the nostril, I forget. Um, but that's how you feel you're, you're allowed. That's why God gave us feelings. You know, Mm -hmm. we are designed to have feelings. We are emotional beings. Some of us, myself are more in touch with the, our emotions as opposed to my father or or your father who never cries, you know, to save his life. Like you said, I can count on five times. My father's cried in this life. I've, I'm at 30 years old and five, five times in 30 years, I've seen him cry. It's just different people or different emotions, Uh, Different emotors, you know? So um, I I hope that helps. So you
0: acknowledge it, which is the first step. And then you feel it, you express it instead of suppressing it. And then you let it go. You let the emotion go.
1: When you let it go, it's not saying, like, bye, good to see you later, don't come back. Because sometimes emotions are cyclical and they will come back, like the grief of losing someone. Um, Allow yourself to let it go. And that's when you back up and you see the wave crash against the shore. Mm-hmm. But guess what? You look behind you, there's another wave. And this could be a wave of joy, you know, or mm-hmm. a wave of, uh, I don't know, excitement, you know, that's coming up behind you. But that's how life is. Life, life c- comes at us in waves, you know. Life is meant to be lived in this deep ocean, not this barricaded, you know, crab net (laughs) on the shore, you know, we're meant to be in this ocean of emotions and and feelings. It's just, what do we do and how do we do with it? And that's where I think cognitive behavioral therapy comes in to help.
0: I want to emphasize a point you just made (laughs) is talking about how so many of us are afraid of having feelings and having emotions. And we live in a culture right now where if we have a negative emotion We can just swipe the other direction or swipe past it or mute it or turn it off or change the channel. And I think that cultivating a skill for being in difficult emotions is really important. And so acknowledging it, holding that space, and then you're talking about letting it go. And that's where the sticky factor comes into play. And I think it takes a lot of rehearsal and practice to be able to let something go. And something that you said that I think is really important to also emphasize is that it might keep coming back. And I do a process. It's called the boats technique. I, I borrowed it from Jack Cornfield, And he does a visualization where if you want to practice this, you know, what you do is you imagine you're sitting on the shore and there's a lake in front of you or a river in front of you. And these boats go by and each boat represents an emotion or a worry or a feeling. And so when you see that boat, you imagine just sending that emotion onto the boat and then just letting and watching that boat continue going downstream. And what can happen sometimes is that boat may go away and go into the ocean and then you're free of that experience. And other times that boat will circle back around and it'll come back. And So the exercise is about noticing that feeling, putting it on the boat, and then allowing that boat to continue going downstream, as opposed to a lot of us have the impulses, I want to blow that boat up, or I want to get on that boat. And I want to just stick into that and be in that. And so the exercise is just imagine yourself on the shore, the boats go by, put your feelings in the boat, watch them. And so that's the first exercise. The second exercise is the protective box technique, which is where we can mindfully imagine that there's a box at our feet and thoughts and worries and things that are stuck cycling in our minds and things we can't, we don't have the bandwidth to deal with or the space or the time or the means. We mindfully put them in that protective box and then we can come back with a helper or at a time that's better for us to unpack that box and deal with those things there. And so I think you're you're bringing up a really simple yet powerful process of, okay, here comes the emotion. I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to be in that space and then I'm going to mindfully let it go. And either I'm going to put it in a boat or I'm going to put it in a box and then allow those emotions to come instead of resisting them. So part of your journey, you've been talking about how we've had these swells, we've had these moments and in bipolar type one, as opposed to somebody who's dealing with just chronic anxiety is in bipolar type one, the symptoms can be quite changeable. And so you're talking about, I'm in this wave, another wave may be coming. It may be a different type of wave, but I think it's similar. In if you're, if someone's dealing with panic attacks or a manic episode or major depressive attacks is just to allow yourself to acknowledge, okay, this wave is coming and to practice being in that space, acknowledging it, honoring it. And then when you can to try to put that thought, that emotion, that experience away. And I was curious about strategies that you have found to be the most helpful for you. And so you talked about old coping skills, like smoking or drinking or distraction. And Mm -hmm. you've been doing a ton of work over the past several years on growing your skill set. And what has been the most helpful for you?
1: Things that have been very helpful for me... Quitting, sm- I've quit smoking cold turkey. I I tried to do a nicotine patch. I tried to do a nicotine gum. Nicotine gum did help more than the patch. The patch made me feel very angry. Believe it or not, I'd put a patch on, and anger would start to manifest. My body's very sensitive. Um, you know this, but they don't. Um, my body's very sensitive. You guys to what I put in it. Um, I can't take certain pharmaceutical drugs because they'll they'll set me off in a manic episode. I'll. I'll go off the walls if I have an injection of Celestone or Loratab or anything like that. You know, and I know those things about me. Cigarettes played the same part. Cigarettes would keep me manic. Cigarettes would keep me elevated. Um, I I smoked on and off for the last 12 years since I was 18. I learned how to smoke from a friend that I'd worked with. And do you think quitting has been difficult? (laughs) Yes, very difficult. So what I've done is it's been, uh, and I'll be honest with you guys, I just recently quit smoking um, for on and off the last 12 years. I just quit. Uh, It'll be a month ago, day after tomorrow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Because a month of no cigarettes, I literally have not had a cigarette, a cigar, a cigarello, any tobacco products in almost a month. And I feel a whole new me. Now we're dealing with issues of because I'm not smoking, the medicine starting to build up in my system. The pharmaceutical medication starting to build up into my system, and I'm over-medicated <laughs> in some some respects. You know, um, alcohol. This is what I've done for alcohol. Uh, you see me sipping on tea, and it's it's because I I brew my tea every morning, and then I save the tea bag from the morning, put a new one in for the afternoon. It's it's my alcohol. It's my whiskey. And I was never an alcoholic. I'm not. I, I hope I'm not misleading you. I never was an alcoholic, but alcohol was a. Uh, a a, a coping mechanism for me. So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I drink tea. I drink tea. I drink these. This is like my wine. Um, It's, it's called ice. I'm not affiliated with them. Neither is Dr. Kane. Um, (laughs) And I drink those when I want a a beer or a glass of wine. And I I didn't want a glass of wine. I just wanted to drink one. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Coping mechanisms for other things that I've struggled with, uh, you know, was, well, I'd rather not get into those. But, you know, I, I've been successful at um, finding ways or eliminating ways for me to have access to those those coping skills and behaviors that were poor that kept me in a more elevated manic phase. As you can see, I did my force field. We did, you just I didn't read my mind. Earlier,
0: but... I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah. Did I really? Yes. You just we're read my so mind. We're so in
1: sync. We're so in sync. I love it.
0: Let's talk about force field strategies. And Let's
1: talk about it.
0: So, what I let me introduce this to people who haven't heard about it before. A force field strategy is something that you can use to create a force field, metaphorically, around you to protect you. And force field strategies can be used preventatively to help the episodes be less intense, less frequent, and less sticky. And so, when I say episodes, I'm referring to panic or depression or even manic episodes. There are things. An anxiety, that we,
1: yeah.
0: Yes, and anxiety, and there are things that we can do to help protect ourselves, to help us get into the right space and stay there. And so, I love that you did this exercise because I think it'll really help take a concept and make it more real. And when you guys think about a force field strategy, I want you to imagine a stoplight. There's red, there's yellow, and then there's green. And green is representative of feeling balanced, feeling good, sleeping well, feeling confident. Your body feels calm. It's not revved. Your throat is relaxed. There's no knot. And green is when you feel most like yourself. And then yellow is when we start to edge into higher amounts of stress, higher amounts of anxiety, higher amounts of grief, higher amounts of being elevated or agitated, and then if that continues, it can go all the way into the red. And the red is a severe panic attack or a severe manic episode or severe depressive episode. It's the greater in- the greatest intensity of symptoms that you have. And so Jared and I were actually talking about this recently. And I drew out an example of if you guys do your four-sealed strategies, you have the green. And the green is a continuum and then the yellow so there's a very fine line between green and yellow where we're going into good we're going from good into just a little bit too too edgy or a little bit too high or a little bit too a little wonky a little wonky we're on that we're on the wonky line and then we're we're clear into the yellow zone and then there's that second wonky line where we're like getting into red and then red can go up to the extreme so tell me what tell me about your force field i'd love to hear about it
1: Okay, so I, I, I don't have a problem. Hold on, let me make sure I don't have a problem showing this because, <laughs> all right. Or you can go. just
0: talk through no, it.
1: I know, I know. No, but I want to see them because, I mean, I want them to see it because it's, you know, how I learn. I'm very tactile, kinesthetic, how I learn. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, if there's anybody else out there that can't picture it or can't hear it, I want to be able to make sure we get to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is mine. The lighting, I have a light on behind me. So can you see it okay?
0: I do. Yep. You have okay. the, the green, then the yellow, and then the red, and then you wrote stable and the green. And then tell me more about what you've written, especially if people listen to the audio and they can't see it.
1: Absolutely. So I have a green continuum. Yellow continuum says elevated. And the red continuum says manic uh, and then psychotic underneath. They're, they're written on top of each other because that is what my life can look like. I can be stable, I can be elevated, I can be manic, psychotic, and that's the stages of digression that we go into. So the first sign that I could be crossing over into the elevated side from the stable side or the side of stability is, I'm sorry, I can't read backwards, mental stimulation. So mental stimulation, for, uh, for those of you that don't know me, which is everyone probably, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I am in the middle of taking a course in cognitive behavioral therapy to become a practitioner. Um, so mental stimulation is something I haven't done since college. And we noticed a few days ago when I started this course, that I started having stimulation in the back of the head, which exhibited in a, a form of tingling of such a uh, very excitement, you know, was a big thing. High emotions were a big thing. And that, co- that goes into what can start to happen in the elevated section, which is anger and extreme emotions. I was getting upset with the smallest things with my parents. Um, my family, and the, the, my support system, uh, even with my church. I, I have a church family who I'm very uh, connected with. Um, and I was beginning to experience these extreme emotions. And I was like, what is like out of control? Not like the way that we just described, you mm-hmm. know, it was out of control emotions. So then um, what can happen as I progress into this next stage in the elevated stage is pressured speech, which is down here for those of you following along on the video. Um, Pressured speech is talking a mile a minute, and I I can't do it when I'm stable. So that's a sign that I am stable, (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I am not in that state. But elevated speech is oh my gosh, how are you doing today, Doctor K? Thank you so much for taking my call. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited! Yay, we're doing this. That's pressured speech for Mm -hmm. me. Now, granted, it doesn't always have those emotions in it. It's just me speaking at a much higher elevated rate, which is a big sign that I'm heading towards mania and psychosis, Um, crossing over into the. Oh wait, what's the Beginning of losing touch with reality is the last step for me um, before crossing over into the red. Um, I start to get hyper-spiritual. I may see or hear things, you know, a little bit of schizophrenia comes in um, uh, and, and somatic imagery and all that kind of stuff in the negative sense happens. Um, And then the manic psychotic stage is, the only way for me now to get back there, if I ever want to go back to that red stage, which I don't, and I don't know who would, wanted to go back, I guess there would be everything that I just discussed. I have abstained from cigarettes, sex, alcohol, uh, drugs, rock and roll. Like, you know, I mean, that's that's a surefire way to get me to go manic, psychotic, uh, and end up in a hospital. So that's, that's a quick walk through, you know, my little, I'll show you one more time. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a quick walk through my continuums of, uh, the force field strategy, you know, that we worked on that. I, this is, this is me. I put the work into this one. Dr. Kane has done hers, you You know, know, and it's just, it's, Mm -hmm. it's brilliant. It's, it's put a visual aid for me to be able to see how did I get from where I came from and how do I stop myself from going back there ever again?
0: I think that's really empowering because sometimes it's sneaky. It can sneak up on us. And so I'll do my force field strategy and I'm going to do it now with you guys so that you can see an experience of it. And so I showed you just the general picture. And when I go out of balance, I tend towards anxiety and I I think it's important also to talk about the language that we use. That's like Jared said in the beginning, loves you are not your diagnosis. You are not You are not bipolar. You are not anxiety. You are not depression. These are symptoms that you need support. These are parts. And so when I'm out of balance, I have parts that express that out of balance by producing anxiety. And Mm. so, signs that I'm feeling really good is I feel confident. And I'll write that down confident, relaxed. I feel connected. And then I can sleep well. And then signs that I'm going into yellow is my body always tells me first. And it's like this sense of pressure in my chest. And that's like the wonky zone is my wonky zone is a little bit
1: favorite word wonky.
0: (laughs) I really like that is that's when I am not quite anxious yet. But if we can and it's another word for it is a canary. It's like you were saying it's like, you're well into the yellow when you're, when your speech is pressured, but in that canary, that like little wonky zone, if we can catch that moment, then we can stop you from going into yellow and into red. So I have pressure in my chest that happens first. And then as I become more anxious, I get restless. I get very annoyed. And then I feel like, um, constriction in the throat like you were talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that c- comes around a lot for me when I'm in the yellow. Um, or if I'm suppressing an emotion, which, you know, happens.
0: And that could that could push us into the yellow is suppressing. Completely. Completely. Mm-hmm. And then I need to identify my second wonky zone. I think that's a really good thing to sit down and try to identify that because like, what is the tipping point for me? to get into like sheer panic. And I think of like times when I get into sheer panic is getting on an airplane is really difficult for me. And so like when I'm in a state of sheer panic, it's like burning. I know some of our warriors have talked about burning and tingling. And I know like some people have told me that they get burning in their tongue and in their mouth and their face and their skin. And that's one of my panic symptoms. And so burning and tingling. So what we want to do is we want to identify what we look like and we feel like in each area and then the second part of the force field is to give us a directional correction and so above Whoa, it i like
1: that word directional, yeah directional
0: correction and so we want to create momentum towards the green and away from the yellow and away from the red and so yeah. There are a few tips for directional correction. So if at any point that you notice, okay, I'm getting into the wonky zone or, oh, wow, the, my parts are telling me they're really out of bounds. There are several categories. And so if you guys are all taking notes, I'm going to write them with you. So number one. Which you should
1: be. I do that on every one of your podcasts. I take notes when I hear something I like, like you, that you say that I like.
0: I can't you know? remember it if I don't write it down. So right. I, it, you got to take notes. And Absolutely. so one is emotional work. And... That could be anything from like Jared was talking about CBT earlier, seeing a spiritual mentor, watching these kinds of videos and taking notes and doing the exercises. The seven day freedom challenge is an example. So doing your emotional work. Number two is sleep. And so when I get into my wonky zone, I know that if I don't make sure that I sleep, it's going to be a problem and I'm going to escalate. So the question that often comes up is, okay, well, I have insomnia as a part of my anxiety or I have insomnia as a part of my mania. How do I make myself sleep? And so Jared, before I kind of tell people about what I do to help with sleep, tell me what, what has been the most helpful for you?
1: I, you know, that's, and that's a topic we talk frequently about between you and I on our, our patient visits. So Mm -hmm. I'll share a little insight about what we talk about, you know, with them now. And that's, uh, you know, guys, frequently I, I don't sleep. Um, The thing that that my doctor has told me about bipolar disorder is while the normal human, I hate using that word, normal, the average human uh, thinks two to three thoughts at a time, a a person who's got the type of bipolar that I have and the diagnosis that I have, uh, BPD, which is a whole other story, but uh, he's like, you think two to 300 thoughts at a time. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much how it's been my whole life. So mm-hmm. I've had trouble sleeping more recently, or not, not le- less recently because of these things that I do. I practice mindfulness. I write down things that are bothering me. I write down things that I need to talk to Dr. Kane about. I mean, look, I'll, I'll show you guys this. You know, this is the, we talked, when we talked about doing this Zoom the other day, mm-hmm. um, I was writing down issues that we needed to talk about. These are my notes for her. that i brought up in a visit you know these are all the notes but these things come at the most random times and you know what we need to train ourselves that when it's time to go to sleep we need to stop doing things that are going to stimulate us put your phone down Mm -hmm. uh have take a nice bath or a shower um Mm -hmm. make some tea that has good there's a tea that's sold by whole foods again not affiliated but it's called Nighty Night. Um, anything with lavender in it works really well. And then also, if you find that you've gotten yourself to the state where you're about to go to sleep, um, what works for me, if my thoughts keep running, um, which they kind of did last night, I'll be honest with you, Dr. Kane, um, What? but I ended up being able to calm them down and I visualize my brain getting turned off. This is something that helps before the last final step I'm gonna share with you guys. The, last, the, the thing I do before this last step is um, I visualize a guy running around in my brain and just shutting the different departments down. You, if you've seen the movie Inside Out by Disney, very helpful in visualizing yeah. what I'm talking um, Great movie, by the way, too. Uh, and it's, it's just visualizing this person running around in my head and turning all these different things off. And then I next thing I know, I'm asleep. And then the next thing I know, it's 7.30 in the morning. I've slept wonderfully the last couple of weeks, really. Um, some nights on and off, but you know, for the most part, I've wonderfully slept. The last step that I'm going to leave with you guys on this particular part is um, melatonin. Liquid melatonin helps like nobody's business. When I absolutely can't fall asleep, 16,000 milligrams of melatonin and I'm out for the next month. <laughs> no, I, I I do recommend like three to four to five milligrams is what I would do. Um, that helps me sleep. So, but that's just,
0: Those are that's great. a case
1: by case basis, you know?
0: and i'm writing i'm writing this all down and to emphasize is mindfulness i call it brain dumping journaling which is yes. kind of what you're talking about is just like everything in your brain even if it doesn't make sense just dump it onto a piece of paper yeah. write it down i like that you're talking about sleep hygiene turning the screens off an hour before yeah. bed sh- a hot shower a sleepy tea that you like i love the visualization the the person running around and shutting off the things i think is yeah. It's like turning off all
1: the lights like you do in your real house. Just imagine you you turn off every light in your house before you go to bed. You know, imagine somebody turning off the lights in your brain. And then the next thing you know, it's like counting sheep, you're out. That's amazing. It sounds crazy, but it works. And I'm someone who has struggled with, quote unquote, insomnia. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. insane. It works.
0: I love that. And I feel like we could do a whole episode on sleep because it's such a profound it's a profound issue for a lot of people and it's it's very healing and very important. And so we can definitely expand on this more. We could do a live about this and I want to get through the rest of our force fields before we run out of time together. So we talked about doing emotional work. We talked about sleep. And then the next one is relationships. And I think it's really important to do an audit of our relationships and to identify who in my life, lifts me up who in my life can speak truth to me who in my life is triggering to me um who who's an antagonist in my story and who are my protagonists and so I think that relationships are profoundly important I know in my life one of my greatest mirrors is my husband and if I'm getting a little bit short and agitated with him if he expresses that to me I could be like oh yeah I wasn't even noticing that wonky factor that pressure in my chest I'm already in the yellow zone." And having those relationships and having that trust that they can give you that feedback is really helpful. Having a counselor or a therapist or a spiritual mentor might be an example of that. Things like this where people get it, I think is really helpful. Like you're saying, Jared, is you're able to speak with experience and authenticity and people know that you're being honest when you express, you know, these are tips that have helped me because you've actually been there. And so I think that you were making a joke, but I think it's really important oh, to yeah. have people like you who get it. Right. Um, exercise is really important. And I was talking with somebody yesterday about exercise. And there's a type of exercise that'll be right for your nervous system and listening to your body is really important. And so some people, when they exercise, they feel more revved and they feel the same feelings of anxiety or it can make them more in the yellow or the red zone. And so listening to your body on the type of exercise is important, whether you need to do something more like a yoga nidra, which is a relaxing, stretching yoga versus going for a run. What have you found has been helpful for you?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Um, for me, keep it short, sweet, and to the point, it's, it's walking. Um, mm-hmm. I walk, but I walk with music in my ears. So my headphones mm-hmm. like these are always in my ears. When I'm walking and I, I have specific songs picked out to promote faster walking because of the beat and the, the rhythm, Ooh, it's I a like faster that. pick. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it pick me up songs because who wants to walk and be like, oh, I don't want to do this. No, yeah. you, you want to walk, you want to exercise. So you get a song that's going to pump you up. You mm-hmm. know, um, I used to run, but I have bad knees now and can't. So this is my form of exercise that I do. Yeah. Um, so that's what I do when I want to get my blood going. It's one of the first things I do when my feet hit the floor in the morning. As I get dressed, I go for my walk. I brush my teeth. Maybe I'll have a cup of tea and then I'll go for a walk. Um, but if I want to calm myself down, because like you said, one of the things is it could put us into the yellow or red zone exercise. And I have noticed that with me, sometimes I get a little too excited. I start slipping into the yellow. And I think to make a point real quick before I tell what this particular thing is, if you don't mind, um, of course. People think, you know, it's stages. Once the light is green, then the light is yellow, then the light is red. No, you can flow in and out of these, these continuums.
2: Yes. You know,
1: you're not just stuck in one particular continuum. You can flow in and out of these quickly. And as someone, that's, that's what my diagnosis is, is type one rapid cycling, I cycle in and out real quick of any, I could, I could, I could be full blown manic and then calm myself down. I mean, that's not realistic. Most of the time you need medication or remedy to help with that, but like just to prove a point. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I am in the red or the yellow, one thing that I will be mindful of doing is Tai Chi because it Mm -hmm. focuses on the breath and it focuses on simple movements and it focuses on, you know, you, you in through the nose, out through the mouth and then we go over into it's all very calm and still and one thing i noticed by the time i'm done doing 5 minutes of tai chi is that i'm no longer in the red or the yellow stage i'm back at stable. So
0: I love tai chi. That's so good. I always forget to mention that. Thank you for bringing that up because it's Not at one all. of the best tools. Uh, yeah. there are three more and the so we've talked about emotional work, sleep, relationships, exercise. Number 5 is nutrition. And nutrition, we can think about in a couple of different ways. There are ways that we can eat that can heal the gut, or there are ways that we can eat that can be inflammatory for the gut. And we know that there's a strong relationship between the gut brain access. We've also seen that the way that our body and our genetics processes food can create an impact on our emotional well being. And so, for example, some people. They don't process seafood and sulfites very well. And so eating a bunch of that can cause metabolic instability. It can cause mood changes. And then we've seen in the research that the diet that seems to be the best for bipolar anxiety and uh, panic disorder is the Mediterranean diet. And so finding what works best for your body is really important with nutrition.
1: Absolutely. I like your dance i mean because that's i don't know that's my mediterranean dance i've got this you're mediterranean that's been very inspiring and indian is not mediterranean but i'm like you know this is my mediterranean dance
0: i love it i love it <laughs> mediterranean is awesome and for individuals who aren't familiar with that it's very high in omega-3 fatty acids like fish and make sure if you're buying fish that it's wild alaskan fresh caught cold water fish instead of um, warm fish that's been farmed and so the last two are timing and medicine and timing is important and Jared you touched on this in the beginning is that if we're finding like the timing is you started a new program like you're starting this new CBT program and so knowing okay in this time there's more stimulation you were feeling at in your there's this time may be a time when I need to do more of my force field strategies. And some people, they find that they get more anxious in the winter. And so that timing may be when they need to use their force field strategies. Or people could be very cyclical, especially women and their hormone cycles are cyclical. Um, days of the week are cyclical. And so I think knowing when you're building out your green, yellow, red, and putting timing in there so that we know like, okay, I started a new job this may be a time where I need to use more force field strategies or I'm starting a new career or I'm starting a new exercise routine or it's the fall. Like that's always hard for me is keep in mind the timing so that we can extra employee support. And then the last one is medicine. And I think that there's a very important relationship between the pharmacological prescription realm and complementary and alternative medicine. And Jared, you've touched on that too. Like using your, your pharmaceuticals can be really great and stabilizing, but then remedies have also been game-changing. You talked about supplements that are really helpful for you. And so I think using smart pharmacology and using smart remedies is so important. And some of my patients or consultees will call and they're like, I'm having a manic episode. Is there an herb? And if, I'll tell them, I'll be like, let's just do a rescue dose of your medication and then we'll find a nerve underneath of it or other people- Which
1: we've know. had to do, yes. you yes. and I. hmm You know. Which is um,
0: important.
1: It is. Mark, And the problem is, is, don't be scared of, because I'm, I'm very, <laughs> I'll tell you for myself, I'm very fearful of the fact that I may need to be on medication the rest of my life. You know, it's said of bipolar people that they don't like taking their medication. Uh, (laughs) I take seven pills a night. Uh, Yeah, I don't Mm -hmm. like taking them because I don't like what they do to me because my body is so sensitive. And like we've talked about, processes, just like we process food, we process medication very differently too because each body is different. We have found out a lot about how my body processes medication and I don't respond to it the best. It's the remedies that I do respond the best to, but there is a marriage relationship that is happening between the two of them right now that is beautifully working into why I am my, my true self, my stable self right now, if that's what makes sense.
0: So what, what we're both emphasizing, what I hear is that finding a synergy, a marriage between the both of them could be really profoundly helpful. And using the force field strategies can work to help you keep the medication levels down. Like you were saying in the beginning, like if you were smoking cigarettes, then your metabolism of the medications will change. The way your brain is processing your neurotransmitters will change and your dosages were going to have to change. And so by using these force field strategies, you're going to be more able to keep yourself in the green zone and not need the medications to do that as much. And so I think that this goes back to the beginning, that message that you had that you wanted to share is there is hope. Force field strategies are a part of it. And having connections with other people are part of it. What else do you want to make sure that people hear in terms of like your message, your mission that you want to share?
1: Sorry, I'm feeling an emotion right now. <laughs> just yeah. because of what you just, you know, it's, it's this is the last word I want to leave you guys with and that, that uh, you're not alone and the best is yet to come. Um, mm-hmm. Forgive me. Um, I'm allowing myself to do what we talked about today. I'm feeling yeah. this emotion and I'm feeling it in front of you because I think it's valid. Uh, and, and necessary for you to see this uh, because I thought I was alone. I tried to kill myself. I thought I was alone, and I, I didn't think there was hope and that the, best, the worst was yet to come. Uh, I'm here to tell you as a product of Dr. Nicole Kane and Dr. Nicholas Vergara, who worked beautifully together on behalf of me, uh, my, my psychiatrist and my, my naturopathic doctor, uh, there is hope, and you're not alone, and the best is yet to come.
0: Thank you so much for being here, Jared, and for that message of hope. I honor you. I love you. And I'm grateful for you.
1: Right back at you, Dr. Kane.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening to learn more about the things that we talked about today. We're going to have information posted in the private Facebook group, the Anxiety One Week Freedom Challenge, the Warriors group. And then I have a ton of blogs and free content on my website, which is www.drnicolekane.com. We have a ton of information coming out in podcasts. And so keep an eye on what we're doing, subscribe. And if this would help anybody that you know or love, please share it with them. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And Jared, thank you for sharing your story and your
1: message of hope. Always Dr. Kane. thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. This has been Dr. Nicole Kane. Today we interviewed Bipolar Warrior, Jared, and his mission is to go beyond the formula for bipolar disorder treatment and mental health. His passion is the message that you are not your diagnosis. His personal hope, conviction, and continued tenacity definitely provide me with inspiration that you can truly get your life back. If you want more free information on how to get your life back, check out my website at www.drnicolekane.com. You can send us questions, learn about consulting with me directly, and even preview our online courses. There is a course on bipolar disorder coming soon, so stay tuned for that. And now for the disclaimer.
2: The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Dr. Nicole Kane, a naturopathic doctor with a master's in clinical psychology, While these opinions are based upon literature, her counseling education, medical training, and clinical experience, this content should not be viewed as the definitive opinion on these subjects. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for any sort of medical, psychological, or other form of treatment. If you are in a crisis, please call 911 or call the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-8255. If you're in need of counseling, don't hesitate to make an appointment with a counselor in your area. Dr. Nicole Kane is so passionate about people getting their life back. If this resonates with you and you think this podcast would help someone you love, please share it with them. Stay in the conversation with Dr. Nicole Kane about writing the next chapter of your life so that it plays out just the way you want it. Explore your options for working with her at www.drnicolekane.com. That's Dr. D R Nicole N I C O L E Kane, C A I N.com. When you're there, be sure to take advantage of the free Anxiety Freedom One Week Challenge. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Get Your Life Back podcast. Here's to your next chapter.